0: Greetings and welcome to uh, another episode of Out The Box Talks. I am your host, Krill. This is episode 52. Ah, man, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, staying connected. Make sure y'all go check out our website, outtheboxmedia.com. We got a lot of stuff happening on that website just to keep you updated with all of our shows and, you know, all of the interviews we've done in the past, So we got another special interview today. As always, I try to bring you an artist that is really representing quality when it comes to hip-hop, representing, you know, that thought-provoking, creative approach to music. So um, the artist that I have tonight is definitely no stranger to that. She's been around for quite some time. Uh, She actually just put out a, a project entitled closer than they appear right not too long ago like two weeks ago and it is such a dope project she I want to say last year she put out the gas money project with producer nameless and then before that in 2014 she put out a project called love trail mix so I'm gonna talk to her today about these projects last two projects and just in general, some of her work and her experience as an artist. So I hope you guys are ready and in tune because I think this will be a special one. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to our Out The Box Talks listening audience, sister hailing from the city of Boston, Massachusetts, none other than Lyric Jones, Welcome to Out The Box.
1: Hey, hey, how y'all doing?
0: What's good, Lyric? It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Ah, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me.
0: Indeed, indeed, man. Like, so I said in the intro, you know, I know you got this new album out that I definitely want to talk to you about. But uh, first and foremost... As I always do with these interviews, I like to give the artists a chance to just give the people a little history on yourself. Like, how did this whole journey to become an artist, like, all begin for you? And what came first? Was it producing, singing, emceeing? Because I know you do all three. So feel free to
2: share.
1: Um, yeah, well, I started off kind of as a typical black musician.
2: <laughs> Start off mm-hmm. in the
1: church. So um originally you know I was really drawn in and around gospel music a lot and of course you know R&B and the radio you know typical kid in the 90s you can't avoid the radio mm-hmm. um but my real honing of music in my ear started with just being around uh, my dad and going to his choir rehearsals and and seeing the musicians learn music so I kind of bounced around from different instruments very early on from bass to uh, a couple years of piano lessons, saxophone lessons until I finally landed on drums. So, the drums and singing, you know, choirs and and stuff like that, that was what started first before anything. Mm. The rap part of the arsenal is the last piece to the puzzle which I already I always had in me. Wow. You know, like I'm I was born in 88, so I came up through the very tail end of you know the old school era and literally the golden era and and beyond. So, it's hip hop was just always there and I always loved it, but I never really approached it or tried it until uh, like early high school mm. in the middle school, mm. early high school with with the Rockefeller the Rockefeller era. <laughs>
2: got it. Got it.
1: Um, so, so yeah, that's where the hip hop uh, lens began. Right, right when I was you know about twelve or so, twelve or thirteen.
0: Dope, dope. Now, growing up in Boston, like who were some of your influences in the actual city outside of obviously, you know, in the church and, you know, alongside family? Did you have any like musical influences that you were tapped into growing up in Boston?
1: Not in Boston. Okay. Um I was more so yeah, I was more so just kind of drawn to what was being presented to me on the mainstream level as far as music. Got it. But again, I was a go- I was a gospel kid, so I grew up and w- was really moved by the likes of, you know, Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin and Ricky Dillard. Mm. Um, Cause I was really a jazz and gospel head. I was learning who all the drummers were and who all the dope bass players were. Um, so the influences really started with that and whoever we played with in Boston, whoever would come to town. I want to say Israel Houghton was on the rise and, uh, doobie Powell would come to boston so i was really drawn to that as far as who would come to the city but outside of that uh, my brother radar ellis shout out to radar who kind of oh, brought yeah. me to shout the out game, to radar. Me recording yeah he was he was the one he's not from boston though he went to berkeley college of music where i also attended doing their high school programs and joint enrollment so once me and radar connected at in my youth is when i got exposed to boston hip-hop that was like 15 16 years old wow so the the, the influences for me was way before i was even like you know i'm on my way out to college by then by the time i learned who acrobatics was who mo pope was and project move and you know seven esoteric and acrobatics right so i i didn't know who they were at that age you know I i was listening to b2k and shit <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was listening to That's what was what, Bow Wow about to drop, and We're then at right. the same time listening to Jay Z. You know, it was, all of that was on the radio at the same time, which is what I miss about music right now. But yeah, I was just kind of a big melting pot of of so many influences
2: across the board dope dope and it it definitely
0: shows in your music right like the 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 diversity (laughs) now talk to me about like when like beyond radar ellis like when did the scene started open up opening up for you like when did you start making your rounds like in the underground circuit because i gotta say i think the first time i heard of you I believe you were featured on a record with Planet Asia, you were somehow connected to Planet Asia. And I, okay. I one, I, and you could, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know your history with him, but I just remember somehow your your name, you know, connecting in that fall. But yeah, talk to me about like when you started to make your moves in the underground.
1: Well, shouts out to Age. Age was definitely very influential as far as far as my name getting heard a little bit more in LA. Got it. Um, but he is a very la- latter part of my chapter with the underground scene that began in Atlanta. Um, very very early, very very early in Boston. Like on um, again on my way out of Boston, eighteen, I had a couple shows and I was really just kind of in the Berkeley m- music scene and, and uh, hanging around Radar all the time. But I really became Lyric Jones in Atlanta. Atlanta is, mm. is where everybody can thank for, for, for Lyric Jones, for sure. Um, that's where it all got started. Um, and so age 19, 20 is really where I started making moves. And I was traveling back and forth from college. I went to the University of Georgia for school. So I would, you know, still bringing that energy of wanting to perform from Boston. I'm, you know, I'm fresh in Georgia. I still was trying to find where where can I perform. Where can I, you know, even maybe get on drums or, or what have you. So I was doing a little bit of everything when I was first there. But by the time I turned nineteen, twenty, that's when I started really uh, doing my thing on campus and off campus in Atlanta. I would I would drive. An hour and a half to Atlanta, and go to the Apache Cafe. Go to the basement. Um, go to all these venues, and, and that's where I kind of built a lot of the relationships. I was often the youngest one there, <laughs> you mm. know, places and, and and rapping with the with the OGs, or you know, shots out to Al Smith. You know, I would be the baby hopping on, you know, <laughs> the open mic doing a Jill Scott cover, you know. So it was it was a lot of of that when I was. In Atlanta, that really got me solidified in the underground circuit, and then of course festivals as well. A three C, South yes. by Southwest. These years right here that you're talking about is like oh seven, so I didn't move out to the West Coast till 2012,
0: 2013 ish. You know, as you speak about Atlanta, I did an interview with Bug Brown not too long ago, and then prior to that, I did an interview with Star. And when I was talking okay. to Bug Brown. I was telling her that, you know, it's something about Atlanta. And I know she's originally from Detroit and moved to Atlanta as well, as well as you, right? Like you moved to Atlanta for some time. And something about Atlanta breeds like, I want to say like 90% of the female MCs that I think are really dope have (laughs) some type of roots in Atlanta. For real. Like it's you... (laughs) Star, Boog Brown, Cy si Rock, and I know si si Cy Rock, Rock is from D.C., but like what is it about Atlanta that just kind of like <laughs> brings it out of y'all? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just something I've noticed. <laughs> like, that can you so, tell me about your experience? So it,
1: it, it's funny you made that observation. I was talking to my big sister, also who, lived in, who lives in Atlanta, Coco Jones. Shout out to Coco. Mm.
3: Um,
1: we were talking about how that is exactly what you said. Like, there was something special in Atlanta. And, and amongst us, the ladies, you know, not only the ladies you listed, li- listed, but Adrift the Bell, uh, Rita J. was there. Yeah, shout out um, to Rita J. Yeah, she was there for some time uh, way before, you know, I was there. And I think she moved um, right when I started getting my, my steam a little bit. Um, but so many. Yeah, it was just it was <laughs> so many of us and one thing that was special is that we all fucked with each other. That's like at least at least to my <laughs> I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but I know that I'm nineteen, twenty years old and I was just getting so much love from everybody and I know I just kinda came out of nowhere too, just like hey, y'all, hey, Big Fist, you know, just, you know, kind of probably imposing it, it on on a space where I was just new, you know, but I didn't feel that way. Like, I was really embraced by Boog and, and Star and we hop on each other's records. And, you know, I was just very ambitious and, and, and just headstrong on, on making moves. And I think a lot of people just saw how serious I was and knowledgeable for my age. You know, everybody, everybody's older than me. So, There's something, there was something special in this family unit with the ladies and we all knew of each other and we all respected each other. And uh, I I just, there was no, at least to my knowledge, no real drama or anything. It was, we would get put on the same shows and it would be nothing but the fellas there. Like, Mm, (laughs) like the, the, the fellow males that we rocked with too would show up and rock with us, you know, like. nobody was fucking with that gender shit in Atlanta. Like it was none of that, you know, it was real. It was, oh, the hip hop there was just so special. And that probably was the best thing that happened in my life because I honed my my performance skills and and really a lot of people came in and out of Atlanta and through whether it was festivals or concerts. And I just built so much for my arsenal. I I owe Atlanta a lot. Wow. A lot. I mean, I was there for as long as I've been in L.A. now. And the foundation that it laid and and, and nobody around me was whack. Everybody <laughs> was tight. Everybody could spit. Everybody. And now a lot of them, are, you know, kids and, you know, just kind of fell back a little bit. But in my eyes, when I go back to Atlanta, they still superstars to me. Mm. Like, I, I'm still <laughs> Yo, like, the, we, you got a show, you know. Um, but I you know say. a lot of people have started their families now, and you know, hip hop is it, it can get discouraging. You know, it really can.
0: <laughs> wow. So, thank you for for whatever. expressing that. Like, it like it's just something yeah. that I thought Atlanta. about. But, yeah, that's great.
1: That's so, what I mentioned on. You know, I know you're go, you're gonna get into it, but that's yeah. why I had to shout out Atlanta, even if it was briefly on. Want to say, you know, just said the Atlanta movement was love yeah. Knox. he gave the biggest hugs like that's real like everybody wow. who's from Atlanta know that bar like Fort Knox you meet Fort Knox he will literally pick you up and hug you male <laughs> female he's just this big bear you know and just love and that was representation of how I felt in the Atlanta scene
3: for
2: sure wow
0: yeah that's, for sure that's dope man because you know star star spoke about that camaraderie too that she has with some of the sisters man so it's good to hear that you guys had a good rapport amongst each other it and there wasn't no star, cattiness
1: star was on my first album my debut you know first album yeah you know she had already worked with Pharaoh monch and you know just all types of people so like when i really think about that down the line like Yo, I was really a, a
0: little nigga out here And Cass is <laughs> fucking with me <laughs> You know, like They saw the something dunk, in you, so sis They saw something in you They and, saw yeah, something Yeah, for real <laughs> So, uh so, yeah. I want to talk about this new album You know, I guess I want to say the day when I found out That this album was coming You had made the announcement That it was going to be executive produced by um, Fonte from Little Brother But before I even talk about that Talk to me about the title Closer Than They Ap- They Appear. Explain why you chose the title and the significance it has to the message of the album.
1: Definitely. Well, Closer Than They Appear, well first off the phrase in of itself is interesting because we see it all the time every day, right? Mm-hmm. We we ignore it because it's it's this printed label on our mirrors when we drive and it's kind of in the background you know it's it's there it's present and we you know we should adhere to it and pay attention mm-hmm. but it's kind of like under it's understood you know it's there as a reminder but it's an understood we know that closer than they appear label objects in mirror are closer than they appear we know it's on every car mirror we expect it right mm-hmm. so on that bare minimum thought process i feel like that's what i became like everyone knows, I'm a you know, be dope or you know, I'm. They kind of just expect to see me in certain places and to keep persevering. And I kind of became like this figure where it's like, yeah, Lyric Lyric gonna do her thing. She gonna. <laughs> but I just, I just felt kind of still in the background. There was no sense of urgency regarding me and my presentation to the industry. It was just that you just keep seeing me and I'm, I'm consistent. I'm always going to be there. I'm always going to represent, but there was nothing that kind of stood out Um, at one point in my career. I wouldn't say recently, but at one point it was just, you know, an expect- expectation that I would do such and such thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that kind of made sense to me when I thought about how common we see that and in, in that, that phrase, but also how I felt, a lot of things and opportunities were happening at the time where I, when I ran into Fonte. Mm.
3: Um,
1: I was I was getting, you know, my mind was shifting to other things as far as this career path. Like, I'm always going to make music, and I'm always going to do my, my thing in the music field, but I was just contemplating the, the actual pursuit, the artist's pursuit, if that was for me anymore.
3: Mm.
1: You know, did, did I say all I have to say, do motherfuckers even care what mm. I have to say? <laughs> mm, that's um, real. it's just it was just a lot of those thoughts um of just like maybe maybe I did what I was supposed to do. And then here comes my favorite artist period. Period. Like Whoa. some a nigga that's been on my 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 vision board for a decade, radar can tell you, like talk wow. to many people of how much I dreamed to work with this man. Here he comes, gives me this huge hug and says, nigga, I I was going to hit you. (laughs) Like we, we got to talk like that was, that's something that only God could have ordered to get me to wake up and go, no, you're not done. Wow. Because that was too specific of a person that I wanted to work with show up at that moment um and honestly i just went to the sh- i went to the little brother concert and and really just w- a huge fan of fonte and little brother as a whole and i was with rod digger and i wanted to just do some hip-hop shit with my sis and wasn't expecting any of that i just wanted to go backstage and say what up to the homies mm. <laughs> he fonte immediately was like nigga i've been meaning to hit you it's just it was just so spot on and so time, timely. And so that was another thing where he was closer than he appeared. Wow. You know, Fonte just seems so distant. Like, it's, I'm never going to get a chance to work with him, you know? Um, we got mutual friends, but I, I ain't, he ain't fucking with me. So that, on top of what I said earlier, and on top of how I feel I am to the industry right now like it was kind of foreshadowing and affirming what I'm about to be Mm. like yeah now I'm all up now I'm all up in your face you Mm. know you you thought I was here but I'm a little closer than you thought you know a lot so it was really kind of a triple entendre in a lot of ways of how I was just staring off into space in this side view mirror and I was like bro that's the album that's the album name we gotta (laughs) we gotta we gotta name the album objects in mirror or closer than they appear or something like that so I just love that it had a story and a real sentiment of where I am. Yeah. In the in in life. Um, but it's so such a common phrase that we see and how we can spin it and have it applicable to our stories. Um, it's very much me <laughs> in wow. a nutshell.
0: Very well said. It, it it makes the album so much more valuable now as I listen to it. mm I I, I mm. wanna ask you did you and Fonte have any relationship prior? Like, was this kind of just like the <laughs> first time he, him seeing you and just being a fan of you when he met you with Rod Digger? Or did y'all connect prior?
1: Well, me and Fonte met prior. He vaguely remembers this, but of course, I remember meeting my fave. So
2: of course, <laughs> I'm right, not yes. going to forget. Of course, you're not um, going to
3: forget.
1: Yeah. It, it was in it. was in Atlanta. I want to say it was, you know, um, they Fonte was in Atlanta shooting the music video for Anthony David and um, Algebra Forevermore. I want to say that's why he was okay. in town. I okay. think that's what he told me. Um, and there was a mutual friend of ours, an artist that is part of Foreign Exchange, Carmen Rogers, who okay. I was with. And, and I told her how big of a fan, you know, this was before um, – they got connected I think to to do foreign exchange. This was a few years like much years earlier. But I was with her for some reason, her and uh her other another friend of ours and just like, Oh my god, I just I just I'm such a big fan, I, I can't like you know, starstruck. And she just introduced me very quickly and then he was just like, Nice to meet you and that was it <laughs> right. Wow. So he, he of course doesn't remember that, but I remembered it for the rest of my days. Mm. So <laughs> So since then, of course you know i'm 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 creeping little by little as far as my name out here, so I've added i you know we're connected on social media he he see he sees me you right, know for right. for whatever i'm doing, and i' I'm, I'm not really realizing he's paying attention as much as I soon learned he was, but yeah, we were friends on Twitter and uh uh later down the years when he got finally got on Instagram. And you know, I'm sure he was just kind of like paying attention. And then occasionally, I would speak to him online, and you know, I reached out to him to, for a couple of things, and he, you know, he wasn't in that space in life. So it Got it just it. it just was like he just felt so far away. You wow. know, it was just like uh we're con- we're online together, but uh, I just need a real personal connection. So when gas money came out, shouts out to Nameless. Yes, that was the same uh day uh pacific time came out his ep that he recently put out it was the same weekend the same day Mm. and so i'm talking to nameless like oh my god it's got to be fate you know (laughs) 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 we put it out the same day we put our album out you know i'm just being extra deep closer than they
0: appear um, here they go again right
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, you know just just fanning out, like, oh, my God, he dropped something the same day, and, and we were just getting, me and Fonte, we were just getting tweeted a lot on the, on the same threads because we both dropped the same day, so it was a lot of common connections that day, and um, I'm not sure if you saw it online, I had, we both shared the tweet of me basically saying, you know, Fonte, he he always introduces us to somebody new, he doesn't do no no phony, gimmicky features, he's always curating, and real fans have been paying attention and we know you know just a fan tweet right and he reposted he reposted that tweet and said real ones know you know we go we going to do something soon dope so you know just i don't, he again another thing he didn't remember doing or saying
2: right
0: right right it was just so, like in the cards destin
1: yeah, it was just like, Yeah, yeah we're gonna link up, you know. Yeah. Um and I but I know he meant mi- he meant that, but it wasn't like I'm taking it way more seriously right. because this I'm I'm standing, you know. So yeah. he was probably lightly saying that, like, yeah, we gonna connect and I'm just like oh my god So <laughs> <laughs> So um so yeah, fast forward to the little brother concert to kinda conclude my long winded story. Um I, I went backstage and that was the first time he, we, I would say, met, met, because that was the first time we are talking to each other, like a conversation. Uh-huh. So we, we met online, you know, we, we met in person, person in Atlanta, but I would say this was the first time we really, like, met each other. Um, because I don't really feel like the other moments count like right. a tweet or a, a quick hi like you know I got to really build with him but it felt like we knew each other you know mm. it's about a decade of just connected online you know c- conversations here and there so it was it was twofold it was a st- complete stranger but also someone I felt pretty close to <laughs> mm, mm. again
2: so
0: you know yeah i thank you for sharing that when i when i listen to your music even just going back to the um the gas money album and this album here when i listen to it i'm like this is it, it's not a surprise that you worked with fonte because i want to say <laughs> this um without even without comparing him to you you're like the f- like how how do i say this i don't mean this in a demeaning way okay but i would say you're like the female version to him And I don't mean it, I don't mean it, yeah, I don't mean it, like, you know, (laughs) female of him, like, I mean, like, the duality, like, he, like, exactly what he does, and how he approaches his music, with the singing, the melody, the raps, the, you know, the fresh delivery, like, that's you, you just happen to be a woman, you know what I mean, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not
1: surprising. Yeah it's so funny now the fellas are just all the every time y'all about to say something y'all are walking <laughs> on eggshells you think you're gonna this you, by you every know day. right you know like i, I gotta <laughs> like, be careful with it i
0: don't mean to like yeah third
1: podcast Word.
0: <laughs> like, oh, oh somebody said this, that but. right oh man
1: I, y'all just say it with your chest it's okay it's okay <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: with me it's okay no disclaimers necessary but you're absolutely right and i I take zero offense to that. That is the biggest compliment. Like, he like the biggest compliment because, yo, I, I said not too long ago on Instagram. I mean, on Twitter, you know, for exchange birthed a lot of niggas. <laughs> Joy birthed a lot of niggas. Like, uh, Jay Davy birthed a lot of niggas. Like, mm. I meant that. I'm a product and born from that whole movement. That whole like period and so I would tell people I want to do what Fonte is doing. Dope, I want dope. to be that. Um in mainstream cats they just wouldn't get it. You know, I have met multiple label executives just really trying to take me a whole nother direction. I'm like, mm. nah, this is the type of respect I want. I want niggas to never put me in the box. Right,
3: like,
0: right.
1: Like how this nigga <laughs> like this nigga right here, him.
0: And um, I think what's dope about Jordan you Mo- is that I'm sorry. The, what I think, what I think is dope about you is that y- what you do and what Fonte do is unique. Like, there's not a lot of MCs that actually are able to do all those things. So
1: equally as yeah, equal, you know, as equal to the next thing, right? Right, exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But yeah, you were saying exactly. Georgia Ann? Yeah, which is another. Oh man, I got so much love
2: for Georgia. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, Georgia's George is another one. She that
1: that I look to like. Fonte was the male version and Georgia was the female version of wow. what I aspired to be from yeah. the musician aspect and the production aspect. And she raps and she sings and she's jazz influenced and she's hip hop influenced. Like Georgia was a fucking rare. Oh my just, goodness. No, I, I didn't, I didn't see anyone in the industry that resembled that. So I just was trying to literally do what they they were doing and create my own my own aesthetic within them, you know, like they were the inspiration. Of course I have so many other influences, but as far as like what I wanted to align myself with brand wise, I wanted to be looked at the same way people looked at Georgia and So um, just, just talented musicians, but will easily be talked about in hip hop conversation, but just as easily be talked to talked about in jazz or, or just musicianship conversations too. Yeah, vocalists, you know, so you'll get a call from real people or <laughs> whatever from the UK to do a jazz record or bossa record, but also spar with Ferrell Mach. Like, mm. there ain't really many. <laughs> there ain't who else is doing that? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So
0: those those are what that, you would consider. That
1: was the biggest
0: one. Yeah, those are what you would consider like what I would consider like longevity artists. Like those are like you know how they say. rapper's favorite rapper you know what i mean like singer's favorite singers like those are the people that people might not know but years down the line they're gonna get that recognition for being so ahead of their time and 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 just being so dope so like you, you you right you pick some really quality artists to you know to um to be inspired by and motivated by indeed word up so, talk to me about Fonte's presence as the executive producer. How hands-on was he? Like, what did he actually do in the process?
1: Um, so, for he was very hands-on. So, Fonte, as the executive producer, was the executive. Like, he made the, the, the end calls on the order of, like, the sequencing was all him. Um, nice. And contacted the major actually for for this album we both kind of half and half brought the producers to the table. Um like show you how was a a track that I brought to the table. Cartoons, face to face was a track that I brought to the table. Okay. And Wait a minute was a left was a leftover from Gas Money. Okay. Um he he yeah, he pretty much made the decisions on what tracks he would want me to rap on or You know, when we would listen to beats, he would say, this is the one that's going to be for the project. So he made the executive decisions and um, got all the personnel on the project. So um, everybody except Digger, but Digger was his idea. Mm. Um, But as far as Cy Smith, Zoe playing keys. Makes
2: sense. um, Makes sense. The
1: string section on face to face, um, Musina's vocals and be My Fiasco's vocals. Moussina's on the album. Dick I didn't Mista. even realize that. Yeah, she's Cause doing background. Oh. Because you know Fonte's I didn't see her thing. listed on like, the he,
0: track listing. But yeah, that's dope.
1: Yeah, well, she, she's not a feature. She's just doing background. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, so, so that's, that's very much Fonte. It's like I'm just going to get this subtle enhancement from nice. people and like putting players together. So... Yeah, whereas I'm typically that for my my projects that was Fonte for this. Mm. Um, contacted, you know, Vic Mensa, got him on the tr- on the record. Right. And, the single. Uh he also mixed mixed the project, mastered uh got it mastered, um, and yeah, arranged it and everything. Added some he added some vocal a lot of vocals to everything, like the intro we're singing nice. together. Um and he helped he wrote the hook oh, on the
0: Huh? Now I said y'all got duets. Oh shoot, <laughs> you and Fante got a duet.
1: The first joint we worked on was uh, "Objects in Mirror," and, Mira, and nice. we both wrote that together and, and and harmonized with each other and everything on that because that was the day we decided on what the project would be called.
0: So so, talk to me about the producers on the album. Like, how did you guys? I know Nameless is on there, and. It, was not on so mm-hmm. there and i like just run through like how did you guys how did you guys choose which producers would be would contribute to the beats on the album you know and, and who who are they
1: um okay so all the producers i uh, hope i don't forget <laughs> but <laughs> um it's phil boudreau and he produced um objects and mirror and angelina okay. track two is uh cartoons incredible musician bass player um who produced face face to face? Track three, yes, is knots rock on. Okay. Um, track track four is show you how, and that is my boy Howdy, okay. and he's out of the uh, Slovakia, I believe. Okay. Um, the track after show you how is Phil Woodrow again, so it's Angelina, and then want to say that was Black Gold.
2: Okay want to say it's such a dope record
1: <laughs> yeah black gold shout out to black gold i don't know black gold personally but he's like my new fave now wow <laughs> he's he's so he's so funny online and i just love i can sense his energy and then his his production everything i've heard from him um has just been that's that's my type of hip-hop shit like <laughs> i can see why i picked picked pick him um as you can hear face to face, the reprieve of that is once more with feeling. So that's again cartoons, and then yeah nameless is track nine. So got it. Uh, as, I men- as I mentioned earlier, I have re- I had relationships with a few of these, so you know I brought those to the table. Like I presented a, a rough idea of wait a minute to Fonte because it was something that I didn't finish, and he came back with what y'all heard. Mm. <laughs> you know, like he. He added vocals and added dough and mixed that bitch and added some, you know, some effects and it was a record. So, mm.
3: um,
1: but that was, that that was, that was my favorite um, like store, like process, I would say, because it really showed how when you birth something, how it can go through different stages of life and to grow like nice. that, that track just started off with nameless probably from years ago. And then he, it at me, and then I added something to it, and then I gave it to Fonte. He added something to it, and he gave it to Zo, and he added something to it, and it's just literally the 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 growth process: infancy to childhood to wow. adulthood. You know, and it it was just so dope because when I heard the final pro- product, I was in Malibu somewhere, faded like <laughs> on an edible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> dope. Um,
1: so. It was a dope. It was a dope uh, treat to my ears. Um, so yeah, that he that was something I brought to the table. But Fonte had to be like, "Yo, this is gonna make it on the album. This is the last track, or nice. what have you." Nice. Um, Phil is somebody I'm familiar with out here in LA, and it was just a coincidence that we both like Fonte also knew him and had tracks from him. Mm. So when he played Angelina in Objects and Mirror, I'm like, yo, who, who did that? He's like, oh, this is cat named Phil Boudreau. I'm like, oh, I know Phil. You know, so Tell. it was it was a couple of those moments where we had mutual connections, you know, and and it just needed either him to nudge and make it happen or or what have you. So, um, yeah, it was just it was a great group of producers that had every lane. Of sound for my fan base because my fan base is diverse as well. Yes. So everybody added just enough of, of of a versatility, but also cohesive enough to have me. I think it really defined a sound now. Mm. You know.
0: Dope. So.
1: Dope. so yeah, this collection of guys.
0: Yeah. So lyric. What I want to do next is I want to actually go into some of the lyrics. From this new project. And I'm actually okay. gonna start with the first track and kind of go down. Usually I'll start with some of your previous, you know, your previous albums, but I'm gonna start with the latest and go backwards. Alright, but we're gonna start with okay. uh the new album, Closer Than They Appear. So the first track, face to face, you have a line where you say, which one should i be fearing most a virus or a system Mm -hmm. corona shit ain't coming close to violence on my sisters and brothers we can list them Mm -hmm. when you i I gotta say i gotta give you props for even starting the first song with such powerful lyrics right I, i thought it was really dope that you started you you went in the direction of like what's happening with us socially especially you know what us as black and brown people have been going through um talk to me a little bit about um you know why you decided to go in that direction with the opener
1: well i just feel like as artists um we have a lot of power we have a lot of impact with our words and our vibrations Mm -hmm. and we feel a lot of things as well which is why we're artists that's how we express it you know so all i have is my art and my music it would be remiss of me to just ignore literally what has been occupying my mental space for however many months Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. when i'm not doing anything else but digesting how I'm how I expressed on face to face and at that moment I'm conflicted as a black woman on a struggle to be a, <laughs> a struggle like pick a struggle we have a lot as it is but the two ones I'm conflicted with is like I don't know what to be more scared of mm. if, if the police is gonna come through my door and, and shoot me right now or this virus that nobody knows how to tell us to avoid you know like mm-hmm. which which one's scarier for me, um and I feel like from the women overall, that vulnerability of where we're at politically, socially, emotionally, I haven't heard it. I mm. haven't been able to press play on anybody and say I can relate to that, mm. and so for me i I just wanted to not only just say how I feel but. It's important for the listener to see themselves in my music, or Mm. else what am I doing? How am I going to get to show you? How am I going to get to show you how dancing around? And I have an address where everybody, the elephant in the room, Mm. and instead of being pound on my chest, black Black Lives Matter. I just wanted to take a different angle on this. Is definitely just as important right now. I'm just fearing. I'm just fearing what what to protect myself from. Mm,
3: mm.
1: I live alone by myself, you know, like what's what, what, where do I, where, where do I grab my shield and my weapon for which, mm. for which situation, you know?
3: Right.
1: Um, so yeah, I just, I just feel like that being an artist is important and some may disagree. Some might feel like they don't have no responsibility to shit. It's, they, it's what they do. I just, I just don't feel that way. I, I literally told you about, a list of artists who impacted my life for whatever reason, and so I know that my voice can be just as powerful. So wow. for twenty twenty to not to not kick off my album with let's let's let me just get this off my chest mm. and express this before I start talking about how dope I am as a rapper, like <laughs> like that's just I think I think that's irresponsible. Just yeah. that's just me. So that's it, how I wanted to to do that.
0: Indeed. And and, and and with you explaining it like that, the title face to face makes so much sense, right? Like the, the listener, you know, being able to relate. to you know, like you're a person just like everybody else going through the same stuff. And I think that is so important. If you're an artist, like your music should definitely at the least be somewhat relatable, you know, because that's where to me, music really hits. It hits on a a, a really deeper level, when people can connect with the music in a way that they can see themselves. So that was dope. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yes. On "Rock On," which is the next song, you say, um, "On that, I move the crowd in my stil- in my stiletto." The line signifies so well the fact that you can be feminine but still embody the essence of a raw MC. And I feel like for women in hip hop, it's either one extreme or the other. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Absolutely. So I'm curious to know what inspired you to have that balance. Cause you don't really hear that a lot. Like, you know, that expressing that feminine side. Right. And also being like, yo, I could spit with the best of them. I could, you know, I could take on the best of them, you know, like, Talk to me about that balance. Like what, what inspired that?
1: Um, I think what inspired it is that I I I think I grew up seeing it. You know, we I saw the around the way girl getting just as much love and respect. You know, they weren't all the way one extreme on either a masculine or feminine side. It was just the everyday girl. And we saw it in R and B too. We see it with like SWV or Escape, you know, bag you know, be baggy, but all the way know that they have a sex appeal but not being so in your face um and so that's always been my brand is to just like i always you know embrace the the high fashion aspects of myself and model-esque side um because that's me the duality that you're saying is me i'm little literally a gemini
2: (laughs) okay
0: okay
1: um yeah, I just I, I, I like to to have the essence of being viewed as beautiful and gorgeous rather than yo, I I wanna smash, you know, like right, right, looking right. at me as an object versus you know, looking at me as a woman in in all of my essence, somebody that the guys would be attracted to but the girls can call a home girl, you know, like that that's me. So it's important that cats know, hey, <laughs> If you don't like this type of, you know, point of view or this point of view you can't relate to. Here's me, you know. So, I just like to let Cass know that's where, that's where I'm at with it.
2: Dope, dope.
1: Every now and then.
2: Got it, got it.
0: Were you when you talk about your influences? You know, did you have any like female MCs that you looked up to specifically that, you know, gave you. That motivation to say, and I know you spoke about Georgia, but were there any like others like prior to Georgia, like maybe in your younger years that you looked at and you were like, "Yo, I really like what she's doing, man. I, I think she embodies what I would want to do someday." No,
1: when I was, when I was younger, no. Got it. Um, when I when I got older, because you got to remember, I'm 88. So right. when teeth Latifah and MC Light were in their prime, I was too young.
2: Right, so you was so in the, the younger the, stuff.
1: The years of yeah, the the years of me being a teenager, I I didn't have that I, there was, you know, yeah, there yeah. was little Kim, there was Foxy Brown, there right. was <laughs> Mia X, there was there was Trina, <laughs> yeah. like
2: Well, yeah, you I, came I on be like a, Yeah. You,
1: them. Like,
2: yeah. You, they you, were
1: fresh. I I I loved how they were respected by you know, appeared to be respected by the dudes. Like I loved that Foxy Brown was, was in the firm and you know, rapping with Jay. Um, but I didn't know about Jean gray or, you got know, behind or what, what have you until I got older. Right. Um, and you know, radar put me on. So I would say that the soonest that I really saw M a a female MC that, that really motivated me to be like, I want to do what they're doing would be Jean. Got it. Um, definitely, definitely Jean gray and Rod digger. Of course. Right, right. To big Six. Got it.
2: Um,
1: I tell, I tell Digga all the time, I was introduced to her via a movie, so.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> was that was
2: horror movie
1: she did, rapping. right? Uh-huh.
0: That was that, she had did like a horror movie or something, right? I forget what, what movie that was. <laughs> Where yeah, she was... did Search the but I found out
1: about her via the movie Carmen.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, she was in that <laughs> with, too. Yeah, with yeah, Beyonce. with Beyonce, Yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah, I'm, yes, guys, listening. I'm telling my age, I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm young, but I'm, I'm an old soul at heart. Like, once I knew, once I know, I know. So Got it, got it. But 2000, the year 2000, I'm 12. I don't know about Lyric's Lounge, broad Digger, yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know about that. But Lyric, yet. you I ain't that young. Know. 88
0: is not that young, you know. But I, I know it's, it's young nah, compared I'm, to some of the, I'm the others.
1: My audience are in their 40s okay i got you you know what i mean yeah
0: because
1: of who i'm with they i had an older audience of course of course when i talk sometimes they're like they they remember like oh yeah like she's she only about 30 something you know i was i was outside when this was (laughs) happening you know so (laughs) i love that i love that because i'm constantly learning you know, and even though I'm, you know, teaching others now, I'm still constantly learning about like the early early '90s and late '80s. So, you know, I'm in diapers at that point. I was I was in diapers when Tribe put out their first album. Got it. You know what I mean? In context, it's like, yeah, I wasn't really living life yet, right? But right. I know I know about them.
2: Yeah, so. I
0: could dig it. I could dig it. How far do you go back <laughs> with Digger? Like, talk to me about your
2: connection with Digger.
1: Oh me and me and Rod Digger are like sisters mm. that is like very, very, very close. I want to say me and Digger talk every day. It's not a couple of times a day. Wow. Um, especially, di- especially during quarantine. Um, we've been talking a lot, but yeah, we are very, very close. She's, um, a blessing because she is a sister to me, but she's also a mentor and nice. will correct me and gather me if I, if I need it. Um, has aligned me with some great opportunities and and she lets me challenge her like she lets me put her on to new things and and encourage her and motivate her or lecture her if I need to wow. about you know just it's just a beautiful relationship because I don't feel I really do feel like I can be myself even to a fault sometimes you know and you need people like that where you can just especially who are in the industry yes, where you really can just like, you can be yourself flaws and all. Um, and they they don't judge you for it, you know? Um, and vice versa, same, you know, I, I, I accept her and, and for who she is. We've gotten to know each other a lot over the, over the years. And so it's a beautiful thing to have somebody with the wisdom that can help you along the way, but also like family, like her daughter's my niece, you know her mom. You know I call her mom
2: dope, too. Dope,
1: dope. So it's it's a beautiful, genuine like sibling relationship um that I I have with a uh, only a handful of people. You know, it's not a lot.
2: Right. That wonderful, wonderful.
0: I want to talk about the song "Cruising," which features Little Brother, another dope okay. track on the album. One of my favorites. <laughs> Not just because it's little brother on it, it's just, the the record is just so fresh, like the sound of it, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. You have a line on there where you say, at times it often takes removing caution tape to let the right ones cross the safe, and pretty soon I'll be in awesome shape. Can you break down that line? I get the sense that you're talking about the strength that can be found sometimes Mm -hmm. in vulnerability, but expound as-
1: on it absolutely yeah i mean experiences have grown me to be hardened and unintentionally um because i'm pretty bubbly and then just a goofball and, and and not as uptight as i've grown as i've grown to be
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so you know experiences over over the past decade or so has just created a more just apprehensive and worrisome lyric. Um, and I don't know, well, I'm probably sure that has rubbed people the wrong way or, you know, maybe ruined a relationship or two. And so that's basically what I'm saying. It's like this caution tape that I have up all the time because I I want, I, you know, not want nothing more to just avoid being taken advantage of and Mm -hmm. and being a product of so many stories that we hear in the industry. Um, and so I'm just basically speaking to discernment, you know, letting the right ones cross the faith. And when I do, I'll be good. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's, that's all I just pray for is just the spirit of discernment because I just felt like I had it on so many occasions when I ended up not. And so it can be, and isolating and just kind of confusing space to be in because you're just questioning your own judgment mm. constantly mm. <laughs> when you're by yourself kind of doing this. All you have is your gut. Right. So yeah, basically what I'm, I'm just trying to cruise now. Like mm. I'm not trying to be so worried about everything. Got it. Um, That was what that line
0: meant. Got it. Nice. Nice. Now, I think this goes without saying, even though I haven't said it ex- explicitly. But you have a really great singing voice, and Thank you know you. one of the things I admire is the fact that you know you display you display the singing, the emceeing, you know all of it in in the music, in the body of your work. But I'm curious to know how do you know which tracks you decide to sing over? Like I know there's tracks where. Like for the whole track, like you're not singing, and at the end of the track you start singing. Like, how do you know when it's that time to be like, you know what? I'm gonna just throw my little voice, my little vocal, you know, tones on this one. Like, like, do you have a method to that?
1: No, I don't think it's that deep. I don't think any of us um, think of it that deeply. We really just let the music speak. Okay. You know, if a, if a mel- if a melody comes to you, then that's what you're gonna sing. If if the if a a, I don't know, a cadence or a flow comes to you, then I might rap or maybe I'll hear both. I'll okay. hear the hook first and and that the music, the production is what determines that for me. Got I'm it. very much drawn to how the music, the instrumentation and the music speaks and the drums speak because drums really inspire me to rap um, as well as being a drummer, you know, so right. if I feel like I can sit in a pocket, I'm probably going to want to rap on there. Nice. But if I feel like, if I feel like the chords and the in the, the instrumentation of like either the keys or guitar or whatever is doing some dope stuff that I hear a melody first, like I, that means I'm not hearing the drums. I'm hearing the melody first, mm-hmm. then that's probably something I'll sing on, you know. So, yeah, I just let the music speak. It's really rain. It reigns supreme dope. when you when you're cerebral like that.
0: Dope, dope. That makes a lot of sense. Another song on the album that you're... One of the songs on the album that you're actually singing on is Angelina featuring Phil Boudreau. Am I saying his name correctly, Boudreau?
1: <laughs> Phil Boudreau.
0: Boudreau, okay. I knew I was going to... I was probably going to butcher his name. P- apologize, Phil. <laughs> so um, he's... um, Yeah, you're singing on the, on the song with him. And... I couldn't help but, you know, it seems like you're talking about someone whose name is Angelina. Can you explain, like, who Angelina is and, and what the song is in relation to?
1: Yeah. Well, before I do, because I just love this song in particular, I wanted to know what you got out of it, like, what you think the song's about. That's interesting. Oh, you, you
0: want to? Oh, saying. man, you're going to put me on the
2: spot. <laughs> I'm,
1: curious, I'm curious, you know, what you, when you first heard it, you know, before I tell you about it, like, what did you think Angelina
2: was about? Oh, my goodness,
0: Lyric, you put me on the spot. All right, cool. It sounded like you were talking about another woman that did you okay. wrong. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the. You know what 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 the reality of the relationship was, but. It see. It sounds like Angeline, Angelina sounds like a woman's name, right? So um, it sounds like you're talking to another woman that you had some issues with in the past. But I don't know what the nature of the relationship was.
1: Okay, I, I'm, the reason why I asked you because I was just curious as to if the metaphor came across or not. This is how and, we as writers determine if we did our job.
0: All right. So listen, so it didn't. It didn't come across just yet. I got to be honest with you. I didn't give it the listening time that would probably get me to get it. But I figure I got you here. Let's just go for it.
1: Sure. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> I, would just, I would just, of course, I'm definitely going to tell you what it means. All right. Um, but I just was curious. I was curious, too, because you, you, you started off saying it sounded like it was about a girl. So I would just jog my mind and just just ask you. But Angelina is actually a metaphor for LA Los Angeles mm, nice. um, so it's not literal it's not about me and a female everybody <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm straight <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but we did that intentionally and and to it wasn't it didn't really start off that deep like okay there was already a verse on there from Phil he already he already had a person named Angelina that he was singing about so I was so in love with the track I was trying to figure out a way to make it, like I said, starting off with face-to-face, how can people see themselves into the record, and how can I relate to what Phil is saying? I don't know nobody named Angelina that I want to sing about or rap about. Um, and so I thought about the nickname for L.A. residents are Los Angelinos. Mm. So, and when they speak to us in pamphlets and stuff like that, newsletters, they call us Angelinos. Right. So I just made it singular and just made it a female because that's what Bill was saying about. And I described L.A. as this kind of disappointing friendship mm. that I had with, you know, the city or what have you. Kind of to imply that, you know, everything was bright stars and glittering gold until I really got here. And, you know, over time that kind of stuff wore off the, the the, the star power of LA has worn off and me just trying to decide whether it might be time to go, if I still belong here and kind of thinking about it in the chorus that whether I stay or if I don't, you know, no matter where I go, I'll be good. Like I'll, I'll fly regardless. Mm. So it was definitely, you know, describing by like, personifying uh, kind of like I used to love her. It was personifying, you know, more of a place of life. Mm. Um, And calling LA that chapter of the friendship sometimes. And, you know, it it replicated to how I've been with real individuals. Mm. You know, just sometimes relationships fade, friendships fade, you know, how you were when you were younger or even just a couple of years ago just ain't, you know, it ain't significant anymore or it just didn't last got it um so yeah that was pretty much the the, the basis behind angelina but shout up to phil who started the concept off so i just, just ran with it
2: dope dope yeah
0: how did the so the the los angeles it the 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 concept of it being a city came from the actual name Angelino? is that yeah dope? well okay. i
1: i don't i don't know i don't know how um the nickname angelino's came like through LA I just you know I've been here so long so right, I, right. I just heard the term before so when he already gave it Angelina I was like okay well maybe LA can just be this that was
2: dope homegirl no.
1: yeah maybe LA can just be this home girl that did you know yeah, yeah, yeah. led me astray yeah that's really what happened you know happened in real life as well so it's just a double yeah you know me I'm I'm hearing no, my I music love a lot of double on double. I love meeting, the
0: creative so. approach I love the fact that you took a creative approach in, you know, ha- having having it be a concept, you know, like a concept record right. with the Los Angeles theme. So that's that's dope. Thank you for breaking that down. I love that. I love that. No, no, I, you no. know I'm a lyric head, so I really listen. I I just got to say with this track, I didn't give it that time. I don't know. Maybe I would have listened to it a couple more times and still didn't catch it. So sometimes it's like that as a (laughs) listener. You know, you don't catch it. That's why I actually take a lot of pride and you know the my passion in doing these interviews it's almost like personal too where I get a chance to ask like some of my favorite artists like what did you mean by that because it makes me appreciate the music even more as a listener as a fan
1: exactly so exactly
0: I can dig it word word so I gotta say the next track want to say one of my Mm -hmm. favorite tracks on the album as well I know I alluded to it earlier it reminds me of the little brother track from the listening call, "Whatever you say. Do you know if huh. What's the brother's name that produced it? Black Gold? Is his name Black Gold?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Black Do Gold. you know if
0: he, he was inspired by that track or just inspired by L.B in any way to produce that track? Like when I, when I heard it, I sh- like I, I'm, I, no lie. like it sounded exactly like something off the listening. I was like, yo, this is like, this is listening little brother part two, you know, (laughs) like, um, but particularly whatever you say that track from listening. Um, do you know if he had any, like if he was influenced by little brother for this track or anything?
1: Um, that would be a black gold question because I got connected to black gold via Fonte. Sure. So, um, or this song so as far as what his influences are and then all of that I, I can't really speak to that got it um but I know I know what Fonte's intentions is he, he wanted to give me like a tribe-esque type of a beat got it um and that's why we had you know Rod Digger on there doing sound effects and doing <laughs> ad-libs and everything so so I know what I know what Fonte's intention was but as far as you know Black, Black Gold, Gold, yeah. You know, inspirations and stuff for the beat. I I don't know. I know that's some some Jay Dilla drums though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know the snare is from Hold Tight.
3: That so, track
0: is so um, hard, man. That's about it. Yeah. Dump, huh? Dope. Now I said that track is so hard. It, yeah, it it's It's just like a different, different feel.
2: feel. <laughs> yeah. Dump. Yeah. Dump.
0: So on that track, you got a line where you say, "Tay said it takes ten years to pop overnight." And as I thought about that line, I was like, man, that's a loaded line. That's a gem right there. I wanted to know, Mm -hmm. like, what that conversation was like. Like, what else did he say in regards to that topic? Like, how did it even come to be where where he actually told you that?
1: Um, Yeah, that was, like, our first conversation. Um, The day that I I ran into him backstage, the Little Brother concert, it was the same It was the same day and in that evening, you know, I was just kind of telling him, you know, he was asking me, he's like, so, so when, did what year did you get started? And, you know, he's picking my brain to just kind of see how long I've been doing stuff and and who I know and just a general conversation. And it's been a decade. And he's like, you know, Lyric, this is right around the time where... (laughs) this is you you right there like yeah it's about a decade it's about 10 years for that shit to pop off mm. and i'm looking at him like word like no you know so it he's he said that a couple times i think he said it in the the little the the conversation that him and pooh had on their lives mm. you know like it, it you know she's been she's been in here about seven to ten years that's that's just about how long it takes for you to pop overnight meaning like you've been doing this for a decade you've been planting all these seeds once you pop off it's it's gonna seem like it just happened out of nowhere so that's why I say after so here's the fireworks my near and dear I'm holding tight
2: yeah you did say that
0: so
1: shit about to go crazy so let me grab my folk (laughs) yeah (laughs) and just make sure I surround myself by the best people so
0: listen I hope your overnight success as it relates to that line is now (laughs) <laughs> I do real. too. I do too because I'm, word, <laughs> I'm <word>. tired. Aww, <laughs> man. So the last track on the album. Wait a minute. Tell me uh-huh. why you chose to end the album with that. And I know it's a nameless track that was kind of like part of the sessions with with nameless. But um, tell me how that track. How did the message in that track help to close out the theme of closer than they appear?
1: Well, it's funny because wait a minute. When, when Fonte first told me this again, it was his idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When he first told me we were going to end the project, well, wait a minute, I didn't get it at first. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things that I just kept, like I didn't push back. I was like, really? We going to end it with that one. All right. Like I didn't have no opinion or feedback on that one. Cause I just, didn't really know where else it it would go, mm. but he was very enthusiastic. I remember his tone; it was just like, "Yeah, nigga, we end that. That's <laughs> all that's going on at the end of the project." <laughs> that am like, like him too. Eh? Like <laughs> he was just he was just very sure of that. So his enthusiasm, his tone of voice was just like, "All right, this nigga is very sure that that's what it is. All right, um, and." I still didn't get it. I still didn't get it. Listen to another pass of the album, a couple more songs added. Still didn't get it. The, a light bulb went off. Um, I want to say right before I put, we put out, show you how, or right after, where I saw my own lyrics in a different way. Mm. I didn't. I didn't really realize that that whole song again could be a double entendre of. My sentiments towards the next step of my career, and just my energy towards the industry, just apprehensive, just like I was saying earlier. Just yes, the, the the same thing we're cruising. Just yes, you know, I'm I'm just I'm still kind of like expressing and showing my feminine side here. Of like, you know, I'm still be gentle with me. You know, like I've been working hard here, and you're you're talking a good game, but. <laughs> i not disappoint me. You know.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it wasn't about music. It wasn't about career or the industry. It was about a nigga. Like I was just <laughs> writing about a dude. Yeah. And so I I didn't get that because I just was thinking from the perspective of what I wrote the song about, and I didn't really realize what he, the listener, was getting from the song. And how it related to everything else on the album. Right. I think that was brilliant. Like once I realized that I was just like, all right, this nigga Fonte. All right. I already knew he was brilliant, but that's crazy. Cause I just, I'm, I'm thinking of it one way because it's my song that I, I wrote it from this point of
2: view. Right.
1: And he just, it, it just gave it room to be another, again, for the listener to see themselves. Yes. And interpret it, however. So it was a perfect, sonically in topic, was the perfect way to end my thoughts with the Closer Than They Appear theme,
0: for sure. You know, if double entendre could be labeled an album, I think Closer Than They Appear equates to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. The, it's closer Than They Appear is the a triple, quadruple, with all types of entendre. <laughs> right, going right, over. right. Did ever. Agree.
0: Yeah, did Fonte ever explain to you what his reason was, why he was so adamant in ending the album with, wait a minute?
1: Um, no.
0: (laughs) He was just excited about it. If
1: he did, I don't... Huh?
0: I said he was just excited about it. It was just his enthusiasm.
1: Yeah. If he did, it was probably one of the conversations with, you know, many of the songs where I just didn't, either I didn't hear it or it was just so quick and, and... passing but i just remember going like him just going yeah we we ended it with that one he was just, and i think what i felt from him was more so how the song feels more than the lyrics mm. like i don't remember us really talking about the lyrics of wait a minute more so just like the feel of the, the feel song of it, yeah um so yeah that's a conversation that i have to have with him again if if we had it in depth did you even listen to the
0: lyrics Fonte
1: (laughs) (laughs) right right. and it's honestly if he didn't at first and it was just the feel that's even more of just synergy because it just worked that way like it it, he didn't even have to dig deep into the lyrics to know that that's a perfect way to end it but nah he he's truly truly executive producing it so he definitely listens and he probably Knew that all right. along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, she's gonna she going to get it. She's going to get it eventually. And that's perfe- yeah. a perfect example of me just relaxing and letting him do what he thinks is best.
0: Yeah. Now, your projects tend to be on the shorter side in terms of tracks. So Let's say, like, nine or eight tracks. I think this one has, yeah. like, eight songs and, like, one, like, kind of interlude intro is there a reason why you decide to like or like is there a reason why you decide to go so short? Like are, are you are you dealing with like a, a, a large body of tracks and you have to narrow it down or like or do you kind of record intentionally for it to be so short?
1: Um, to be honest with you, nine tracks, ten tracks, that's not short. We're we've been conditioned to make it sh- feel short. Okay. Because motherfuckers are putting out albums eighteen, twenty tracks long. Okay. So ten track, nine track album, thriller was nine tracks. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like this is this is the length of how albums used to be. Twelve, ten to twelve. So I'm to me it feel when it's fi- when it's done, it's done. When you say all you gotta say, you said all you got to say, Fonse, if, if you ask him, he'll say, he make music for motherfuckers that got shit to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let me hit the jams and leave me alone. Like, and got I, it, got it. I can, I literally can echo those sentiments without even, feel, you know, I, I didn't even really think that deep. It's just kind of like, yo, niggas got shit to do. We don't want to be sitting here listening to a million tracks, like, especially today.
0: Especially right right right.
1: How I think that's something that
0: we've seen more, you know, happening more frequently nowadays but in, in I'm speaking specifically to hip hop, right? Like obviously You know Michael Jackson. That that makes sense. But like in terms of hip hop, like a lot of the like dope records that we look look to, you know, they they definitely a lot of them go over ten, except for like Illmatic, right? Like that's the only one that kind of like stands that. That's my
1: favorite. Right. See that. But but why? But why is listen? Listen to what you just said. Like Illmatic. Of course, that's like the
0: one. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hip hop records of all time, and it's like that. A good portion of that is because Nasir got in and got out. You know what I'm saying? Like, he yeah. gave us nothing but jams, no fillers, none of that shit. Yeah. It's just jam after jam, jam on Elmatic. And that's yeah. the way I came up. That's how Fonte thinks. And if you if you look at his projects and everything, it's right. kind of the same energy.
2: Yeah, like, definitely. Like, and I mean, for the
1: record,
0: I have no problem with the short projects. <laughs> Let me just say that. Like, I don't have a problem with it. I was just asking about um, because I see that consistently with some of your projects. But it's cool. Like it, it works. It works out. It definitely works. Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, a- answering your question yeah. in regards to that.
0: Definitely. Dope, dope. So, I want to talk about gas money. Let's go to that project um, that you produce mm-hmm. with Nameless. On the first track called All Mine, you have a line where you say, you're reconsidering shit when you found out what a stripper can get, wish you can wear a mask, <laughs> get the cash real quick. I got to say, I'm glad you didn't have to go that route, right? But I'm curious to know... <laughs> How you've been able to sustain yourself financially as an artist today, and not have to, you know, go a route that you might possibly regret?
1: Um, I would, I, I think that's just my funny comedian side. Uh-huh. I mean, deep, 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 deep down, it's just not my character mm-hmm. to kind of like stuff like that, right? But I oftentimes wish I didn't care so much.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah no and but it's a real had, line like I as had, funny as it is like it is it, a real line right because i'm sure like you're not the only you know sister that that's yeah. going through their mind you know <laughs> but go ahead yeah
1: yeah it crosses your mind yeah. it crosses your mind when you see reports of how much strippers make or how much you know only fans get you know you you start to be like what the fuck am i doing with my life right, playing right. these games you know? Um, but in real life, if, if I was really presented with that yin and yang, I wouldn't do it because it's just not my personality, but I, I wish I, I wish I cared less about those things, um, because I'd be, you know, somebody, somebody would be my sugar daddy out here and I'd be great, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so. Sometimes you you wish you you weren't trying to chase a certain career cuz then you can be a little bit more risk-taking with <laughs> your avenues of getting money. But my my integrity wouldn't allow my mind to even go that far. So Got not it. to shade anybody who are, you know, sex workers or stripper or whatever, but me in particular, it just it's just not who I am.
2: Wonderful, so. wonderful.
0: Well, very well said. So but, on Beantown, which I just love the way you sing on that, like that's probably one of my favorite songs, like where I hear you singing. Talk to me yeah. about how you came up with the hook, you know, like I love my hook, I can't sing for shit, but um, you know, like <laughs> it's just a dope it's a dope it's a dope hook, and it it really exemplifies the the deeper meaning of the message in the song like how how'd you um put that hook together like what was your thought process and like you know I'm a I want to I want to make sure that when I when I actually put this chorus together it's gonna really resonate with the the um the strength of the song
1: um well funny story that hook was for another record at first it was for yeah it was um originally I was doing some licensing uh demos and i had recorded that hook for something completely different that i was kind of shopping around um with some beats that i received for like just getting picked up for licensing and sync um and it was so old it like it never got picked up i was like fuck it i'm about to you know i i really liked the demo that i did i was like fuck <laughs> it i'm i'm about to use this for myself so it was pretty much the exact same hook. I don't think I I just changed the melody, but it was the exact same words. But the sentiment from when I wrote it originally was, was the same. same, I hadn't been home. I hadn't been home since I was 18. And I just still have those keen memories of of being home. And I just wanted to pay homage to Boston. Um, A lot of people were starting to forget that I was, I was even from there. So I just needed to, my motherfuckers like nah i'm from home you know and and i still love it and i still remember and i was i was still i was very active in the community in boston too like i was constantly like in the paper i was like a little politician it's funny (laughs) (laughs) so but that whole you know chapter you know i i wasn't getting mentioned in any boston things at one point ever Mm. anymore I just I just felt a disconnect with back home. So I just wanted to go shoot a video, talk about my family, a little bit about how I grew up. Because I didn't have any records like that. Mm. So that was just my my one time where I needed to just talk, you know, just here's something I never talked about. And all these records I've never talked about home. So
0: Yeah. Do you ever see yourself going back to Boston? Like if you had to relocate? And, and you know, just start a new life back there. Is that? Is that ever in your mind, like going back home?
1: Um, <laughs> um. It's it fine. You could say it no. Would be, it, it would have to be a sheer necessity. So I, I hate to say, but you know, my if my parents are, are older and sick and and just shit like that, family Got related. It. But to make a decision to move home. Um, I don't really see that in my near future. I I've contemplated it, but mainly just for other reasons, like just to get, get, whether it i be financially or what have you right. together. Um, but Boston is not somewhere I want to be right now. Got it. I love my town, but it's, it would definitely be a step mm. backwards career wise. Um, as far as just where I'm trying to be, Got you know, I've, i went from Atlanta to LA. It doesn't really make sense to go to Boston right.
0: after that. What about New York? Um, I mean, not not New York now, though. But...
1: De- definitely definitely not going from L.A. to New York unless there's a serious bag <laughs> dragging me to New York. Like, it got to oh be goodness. a stupid bag. I got to be able to buy a, a million-dollar brownstone in Harlem and live just how I want to for me to move to New York. Oh,
0: man. No. My poor love city. love New York
1: is to visit. I love visiting y'all, but you live... <laughs> No way. I lived in Los Angeles. Do you know okay. what that like yeah. <laughs> you cannot go from LA sun every, all year yeah, that's long. That's true, that's Just, true. The apartments are bigger. Well, but Brooklyn,
0: <laughs> like, Brooklyn is popping though. Brooklyn is popping. What you talking about? <laughs> no,
2: nah, I got I'm you. Not, I got I'm you. I'm not doing New York. I got York,
1: you. I can't. I love I love to now listen, I love visiting Harlem. Like I I feel like another in another life yeah you know i was i lived in harlem during the, the prohibition era like i just <laughs> i'm obsessed with like 19 this jazz harlem renaissance nice. in harlem i love yeah. the apollo and 125th i love the history of, the, of hip-hop and all of that yeah no but doubt live there <laughs> and raise children i'm just i can't listen i, just, I, I dig
0: <laughs> it I, i'm not even mad at I you can't. I'm not mad at you. I mean, New York is my home.
2: I love home. y'all, though. I love New
0: York. New York is my home. It, you know, it's what I rep. But I, I hear you, man. Like it, it's, it's, it's tough in New York, man. Like I didn't notice that until I, I went back to the, I went to the Caribbean, and I, I like the time that you know, you know, like I, I would just rest better. Like New York is, is really. <laughs> that city that does not it's, sleep man like it's it's no joke you on know an like edge. word
1: Like, you constantly not on an edge, edge.
0: you right you right it's, it's a beautiful, so i it's don't a blame you visit yeah word <laughs> up word up no doubt so um another song on gas money called adulting which such uh-huh. a dope song it 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 really um i like it because is such a vulnerable but real song And, you know, you talk about, you know, your your challenges in the past and, you know, dealing with, you know, growing and being single and and, and really just trying to navigate your, you know, your way alone. You know, I'm curious to know um, how has the concept of of self-love evolved for you as of late? Like, like, how would you define self-love for yourself today? Has it changed since since um, that record? You know, um, like what's your take on it today?
1: Um, I would have to say the self-love aspect has just been the ability to sit still. Mm. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think I had a self-love issue to begin with, but just dealing with the challenges of growth and and not understanding a lot of things you know, that, that frightens somebody who is very detail oriented and wants to to kind of plan life accordingly. And the way life shakes you when you hit 30 is just some other shit. Yeah. So I think now I'm at a point where I'm just getting used to it and adapting and just letting life take its course as far as how vulnerable I'm, I'm in as far as learning myself right now. But um, yeah, I'm just, the ability to sit still and, and understand myself more mm. in this circumstance has definitely catapulted the, the growth aspect of, of where I was from adulting
0: for sure. Dope, dope. That's 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 good to know. So I watched your NPR Tiny Desk home concert, um where you're actually uh-huh. performing adulting. And I thought it was really dope. Um Tell me, like, like you had like the whole beatboxing happening with the beep, 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 boom, boom, like, I'm not sure, I'm not doing it justice, but like the beatbox layered under your vocals, like, you made it sound so seamless. Was it that seamless the preparation for it? The Tiny Desk um performance?
1: Not at all. That was <laughs> that took me weeks to to wow. uh, arrange and organize. Took me a long time, but I had nothing but time.
0: Right, right <laughs> so,
2: of course.
1: You know, I would talk on the phone, top it up with Digger a little bit, talk to Fonte. We, you know, work on the album a little bit, and yeah, I had I had nothing but time. Okay. So I just essentially learned a, a new skill, and and yeah, just trying to find how I would. Instrumentally create something, yeah. um, From that song without using the beat, yes. And I I really like the machine, and I just wanted to cut again, just as as many ways as I could showcase um, and set myself apart. I always try to find those opportunities to separate myself from the noise. So I just never really seen anybody use that. (laughs) Definitely not on Tiny Desk the way I did. So I just wanted to have an eye catching performance.
2: Got it. Was the beatbox
0: vocals created by you or was that you manipulating the machine?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm literally doing the mouth beatbox on the microphone and and looping it. Nice. Yes. Yeah, on tiny desk. That's why I started from you know, the way beginning cuz I wanted people to see that I was doing the line and all of that just using my voice.
0: Dope, dope. You know, I when I listen to it, you know, the the beautiful thing about music is that when you hear it, whether it's acapella or with actual instruments, the melody sings, right? You, you can get it. And I had to listen to it, and I almost felt like the beatboxing was act like an actual, you know, like an actual general instrument. And then I then I had to listen back again. I'm like, oh shit, that's just her beatboxing. Like it really, it really, um, it really came together. Like I was listening, and I, I it felt like I was actually listening to a version of the track, the actual adulting track with the instruments. Wow. So that was dope. Dope. Yeah. <laughs>
3: You know, because when you're dopeing. listening,
0: you're not really, like, you know, there's different, I guess there's different layers of listening. You know, when you hear something for the first time, you're just catching it. Like, if I'm just listening to it for the first time, like, it sounds like it's an instrumental under there. You know, like, even though I know it's the beatbox, but, like, it it just flows, if you understand what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. Word up. Yeah. That's
0: dope. Dope, dope. So... Man, I know I done kept you for a little while, lyrics, so I, I I thank you for um, you know, staying the course for some of these questions. No doubt. I wanted to ask you about um on Game Over, you you got a line where you say, These rap shows is a sausage fest. Still put me on the stage with the best. I still flex. And um I'm just curious to know, like, how have you been able to evade some of the like hyper masculinity or sometimes the misogyny that may exist within hip-hop as a as a woman doing rap you know in the in in the industry like how have you been able to navigate through that has it been has it been a a thing that you've been confronted with a number of times or have you been able to just like has it not been an issue like talk to me
1: yeah, definitely confronted mm-hmm. several times. Um, definitely, uh, you know, people try to take advantage and people try to come at you, you know, one way, especially the the peace queen. <laughs> and, right, right. And, and the chances of trying to work with you or whatever. And at one point, I was just super just bright-eyed, happy to be here. And, you know, I just wasn't really reading the room sort of speak with the intentions on some of the dudes that I was coming across. Um, And if it's, if it's mutual and I, and you know, I like said dude, you know, it's whatever, but some people would just come at you from a whole nother angle to lure you in and then flip the script on you. Mm. Um, And, you know, in many of those situations, I'm not as well known and I'm, I'm trying to either work with that person or whatever, And you do feel the pressure of feeling like you got to engage or flirt back or or whatever. Um, So the talent ain't even a discussion no more. They don't even give a fuck about your raps or you you singing or your art or your dreams or anything. You know, they just trying to fast. So that can get annoying. Um, And I guess, you know, a, a lot of times I was annoyed with myself because I already knew what it was, but I was still trying to... Feel like oh, I don't care. I'm still gonna <laughs> hold my ground. They ain't gonna do said thing to me. And then you kind of get looped into the circle. And a lot of women in the the industry, hip hop, R and B, we we all can relate to that. Just the, the game, you know, because it's just it's just difficult when you're when you're really trying to navigate in that space and and just be looked at as the cool girl. You don't want to, you know. <laughs> call attention and then uh, i mean that's really why the me too movement started right, right, right. you don't you know don't look, look at you crazy or call you a liar or whatever so we deal with a lot of shit yeah yeah um really try to la- we re- really try to laugh it off and <laughs> you know just like oh he just playing or whatever but it really starts to weigh on you and you get tired of that shit mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so um especially when the same energy isn't reciprocated when you want to work with them or them to help align you with certain situations, but they got all the smoke to, you know, influence you in a sexual manner, but not help your career in the same way.
3: Right,
1: right, right, right. So that's that's where that line was coming from. Yeah. It, you know, well, well, further down the line, but that particular bar was just like. I, it don't matter how many dudes is in here. I'm still going to bar you up yeah. and bend your mic. And, <laughs> and if you want to flirt with me later, cool. But <laughs> I'm still going to hand you your, your ass on the mic. So right, right, it right. was just a braggadocio, braggadocio moment. I get it. I
0: get <laughs> it. You know, and um, I, I guess the question really was like, you know, how how are you over, able to overcome that? Like, you know, for you to I be still you. standing today, you know, um And, you know, you seem, I mean, although you've been through a lot, like, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it it sounds like you're still, there's still a sense of optimism for you as an artist who happens to be a woman. Like, so you, it seems like you've been able to overcome that. And like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, how have you been able to rise above that? Maybe that's the way I should look at it. How have you been able to rise above that?
1: Um honestly i really think god has protected me Mm. from a lot of things i can't even give the credit to myself because there's been a lot of situations that could have turned really bad that i've been in um and i have to just give god (laughs) glory to god that i haven't been manipulated the way a lot of my peers have been whether it be record deals or you know being influenced in the studio or to do sexual acts for things or money or whatever like I haven't even seen some of the things that I've heard of, never wow. even been close. Um, I feel I've been sheltered in a lot of ways. <laughs> I jokingly say to radar that he spoiled me <laughs> because he was the first he was the first male influence in my life at a te- as a teenager and really treated me like his sister. So yeah. the he the years would go down the line and I would meet dudes who would come at me like I'm sis and that wouldn't be what it was. Right. And I wouldn't notice that because I really thought everybody was like radar, right?
2: right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like
1: you, you learn what you learn it one way. And I'm like, damn y'all was just, y'all didn't warn me about these niggas. Like y'all just sheltered me. So, um, yeah, I, I just really think, um, the way my steps have been ordered had, you know, I, I've seen some, I've had some bumps in the role. Like I said, on rock on like, yeah. <laughs> it's been bumpy, you know, but I, 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 still think I hold some type of a presence where niggas don't really try me that, you know, they, they don't, right, they right, know right. who to play with. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't, and I, I honestly think I have too many big bros and, and in, in the industry where people don't want,
0: right. people don't
1: want to, want to play those games.
0: I can see <laughs> that. I was going to ask you about that too, because you got some, 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 some real, you know, like, you know, talking about people like Planet <laughs> Asia and Fonte, like those are some... Some heads, man. That's what's up, man. You know, so yeah, people help.: I wanted to ask you, and this is probably going to be my last question before we close out. Um, this is more so dealing with what I feel like there's been like a, a big back and forth between black women and black men um as of mm-hmm. late in terms of us having challenges with respecting each other, right? What do you think (laughs) from your perspective, just as a person, like your perspective, like, what do you think is the biggest divide that is causing us as, you know, black men, black women, uh, brothers and sisters from have, like that's distracting us from, you know, being more respectful or understanding each other in this, this day and time
1: distraction from understanding each other yeah. um i think it would have to be the status quo mm. sort of speak and just what things used to be um we've seen this before in history not just you know not necessarily with directly black women and black men but just women in general like women weren't able to vote women weren't able to work in certain places And I think the disruption of what people are used to feels like an attack. It feels, I feel like black men feel attacked by us when really, I think black men don't really understand how much throughout history we've been there and we love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. So I see, I see where, Black women can re- be perceived as like just being angry right now, but we've we've always been angry. We've just been holding it in mm-hmm. to save black men. You know what I mean? <laughs> in a it. in a in a way of putting it. So I think not understanding each other's point of view, where where black men don't feel really respected and feel abused verbally and beat up, and they can never do nothing right, where black women feel like they've never been treated right in the first place, seen less than not only by our own brothers but by white people too like it's just we're not hearing each other and we're trying to think one struggle is better than the next um in the in the diet in the the dialogue about protection as well um has just been all over the place mm-hmm. of black men protecting us or versus black women want to be independent so we don't need to protect you it's just nobody's really seeing that there's nuances and things and mm-hmm. um, circumstances versus just everything being black and white. Got it. Um, I really just think that's the divide is just, I, re- I, I remember just looking at shows from the nineties, like sitcoms and stuff and even like girlfriends or whatever. And it's the same conversation.
3: Mm.
1: Comic, you look at comic view and shit like that from the nineties. It's the same joke. Mm black women this, black men this, and your girl this. And, you know, it's just, it's always been our tit for tat of how we act, how black women act, how black men mm. act, no good this, oh, that. It's just, we're terrible to each other. Mm. And we per- we perpetuate how terrible society treats us too. Mm. You know, we we don't treat each other good. and And I believe there was a time where we weren't like this especially right out of slavery, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like the beginnings of reconstruction and shit. Like we, it, it just seemed that black people were, had a common, just a common movement. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, we, we are all, we're all over the place now. We all have different perspectives and experiences now. And that has, yeah. you know, successfully divided us in so many ways so i i think once we listen to each other more um and understand context <laughs> right you know context, like context yeah. of things and yeah. nuances and everything ain't so black and white yeah you know we can make some progress hopefully
0: well said well said and i mean i know by no means we are the worst people on the face of the earth right no means at all but um you know, I ask the question because it's something that is real that we have been facing, you know, but I, I like I like the explanation, the context and the nuances, you know, <laughs> not seeing everything in black and white. So Lyric, yeah. I thank you so much for the time that you spent with me <laughs> for this interview. No problem. I wish you all the yeah, best. A good
1: question.
0: Yes. I wish you all the best <laughs> on your next endeavor. What is what is next? I would ask. I mean, I I, I would think that you're gonna probably just kind of ride out with this project. Is there other things attached to this project that people should know about?
1: Yeah. Well, we're gonna try to drop some music videos and see the results of COVID. I guess. Yes, <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, that that's pretty much it. Like, you know, push push some some content out and and hopefully. That'll open some more doors to platforms that I'm have been aspiring. Because right now I'm really just trying to rock with a band, my band more, and, and be on certain festival stages and stuff. So I'm hoping it sucks the timing, but I'm hoping that that will unlock. Because I really just I can just perform forever. That's <laughs> all I want to do. You know, like I really prefer being on stage than in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That to me would be ideal. So hopefully that's what's next. But yeah, just keep a lookout on some music videos um, from the album. Hopefully maybe a track for every, a video for every track. That would be the goal there.
2: Dope,
0: dope. You want to give the people your website, your social media platforms where they can find you?
1: Yes, you can find me at all things Lyric Jones, (laughs) L-Y-R-I-C-J-O-N-E-S. Um the easiest thing to do is just go to my website. I have all my social media buttons and all those things. That's the lyricjones dot com. dot com. Wonderful, wonderful.
2: Yes,
0: yeah, so yes, family, definitely go check out Lyric Jones, her new album, Closer Than They Appear, is out right now. It's such a dope record. To all of our listeners, make sure y'all go to our website, outtheboxmedia.com. We also have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive interview clips ha- that you haven't heard before unless you're sub- a subscriber. So that's patreon.com slash We have a merch site, the outtheboxmedia.bigcartel.com, where you can find, you know, T-shirts, hoodies, sweaters, you know, snapback hats. And if you guys want to donate to us to help forward our movement, it's paypal.me slash outtheboxmedia. So until next time, I want to say to everyone, stay peaceful, stay healthy, stay safe, and um, we'll catch you on the next ride. Remember, we put out a new show every Friday. So you can catch us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts. Uh, wherever you pretty much listen to podcasts, just look for Out the Box Talks. O-U-T-D-A-B-O-X Talks. And just like that, we are out of here. Thank you again, Lyric. I really appreciate you. And all the best. Peace.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me
0: mm oh, wow.